It's another episode of Stick a Fork in It. SFI. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like one of my favorite things that we do. We get mm-hmm. to talk and interview so many amazing people. Yeah. We're yeah. wrapping up Mental Health Awareness Month, yeah. which now we know, thank God, it is very important very. Uh, to respect, uh, pay attention to it for yourself, right. understand others. And with that, we have this amazing friend, Joel, that we have on the show today. Mm-hmm that was telling us his story. Yeah, journey from addiction to recovery, and you know, he's still on that journey, but um, you know, the, the amount of improvement and the amount of lessons that he's learned, uh, the, the comfort and acceptance within himself, you know, so, so powerful, like so moving, and it's been life-changing for him and everyone he's been involved with. Yeah, and I think for us, you know, maybe it's not, we don't, I don't struggle with addiction. It helps me so much to understand. Yeah to be compassionate, to understand someone else. It's kind of why we're telling you these stories here on Stick a Fork in It, to help you understand what the world is like Mm -hmm. at Feeding Tampa Bay, and really globally, because all these stories um, are unique, but they're also common, Mm -hmm. um, and we can learn from them. So enjoy, Joel. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching, right? Mm, That's right. (laughs) We have a blast. We hope you do too. Absolutely. Joel. Good morning. My friend, thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us today here at Trinity One, the OG. (laughs) Thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Ev. Of course, yeah. The restaurant at uh, one of almost soon to be four restaurants. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. That Feeding Tampa Bay has. Yeah. Um, Before we get into it, Joel, why don't you describe Trinity Cafe real quick before we get into your life? Trinity Cafe is a full service restaurant. Mm hmm basically. And the guests come in, the less fortunate come mm-hmm. in, they have a seat at the table and we have servers, mm-hmm. we have bussers, mm-hmm. we have chefs, cooks, backup support. Mm-hmm. And it's just a place for our guests to come in and let their guard down, be it they're in here for 10 minutes or the full hour that we serve. Mm-hmm. On average, we serve about 175 to 225 a day, and we serve that in one hour. Right, wow. So it gets quite hectic. Mm-hmm. Um, we're busy. We couldn't do it without all the volunteers. Yep. yep, and you're a volunteer captain. Yes, I am. So what does that mean? I am. That is just to organize all the volunteers that come in right. for the day. Um, assignments, table assignments. Um, sometimes the kitchen needs help. Right. I'll assign people for that. And then I just, then after I do an ori- orientation for the new people, I just sit back in Cruz's dining room and yeah. schmooze. Yes. I love the schmooze. Like so you're a host. Yeah. Yes. Like you're the point guy I, and the host. I love it. I just absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah. The, um, the restaurant business, I've been doing it my whole life. So I feel like I have a good handle on the operations of a restaurant and how to treat the guest with, Mm. as we always say at Feeding Tampa Bay and Trinity Cafe, with dignity and respect. Which we all deserve Mm -hmm. as human beings. Yeah. Good, healthy food, understanding, dignity, and respect, right? So now our viewers and listeners know how we met, um, and you've become friends with so many of us. I have. Um, that we just, you know, Evan, I feel that your story is really important and uh, can be an example for folks to reflect on. Um, so let's just start from the beginning. Tell us about where you're from, your childhood. 
first of all, I want to start out, Shan, with I am so blessed to have this opportunity to share oh. my story. Um, for a junkie like me, um, I just can't believe I'm sitting here doing this today. Aww. It's like I said, it's quite an honor mm -hmm. in how far I've come, and I'm very proud of myself. Yeah. And we're very proud of you, I'm and that's why you're very here proud today of myself for, sure. for what I've done. Mm -hmm. um, I was raised in a small town in Indiana. Mm -hmm. The town was in the smallest county of Indiana. There was about 5,000 people in the whole county. And that's where I basically grew up. Mm -hmm. um, before that, we lived in Indianapolis for a short time. Mm -hmm. And I was born in Richmond, Indiana. But my roots are in Rising Sun, where okay. I grew up. And I'm one of those folks to where I believe I was born an uh, alcoholic addict. Mm. I had tendencies. Okay. I remember my first overdose when I was about three years old. Wow. Wow. My mom would get in the medicine cabinet when I was sick, and she would pull out this bottle that had pink pills in it, mm. and it was St. Joseph aspirin, uh -huh. and they had a gray orange taste. I know. They were oh. delicious. Oh, I don't remember those. <laughs> they were terrific. Oh, wow. wow. Apparently. We'll get, we'll oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to this day, wow. I remember climbing up wow. on the commode yeah. to the sink and reaching up for the baby aspirin, and I took that whole bottle. Wow. Oh, my. Wow. So was it the taste? It was the taste and the feel. No, at that there, point, it, was, it was just the taste. It was the right. taste. It, it was, was good. So you wanted taste. all of it. I did know Got that it. too much is too much yeah. in that. Yeah. And my mom caught on. This was around the holidays. Mm -hmm. And so off to the ER we went, mm -hmm. and from what... Everything I say today, Shannon, I have a saying. It's everything I know about the truth is subject to change. Mm, that's a good quote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, live, I try to live by that. So what I remember is my mom catched me going to the ER mm -hmm. and they pumped my stomach. Mm -hmm. That was the coolest thing. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That was so cool. Mm. And I remember, I don't know if it was a day or a week later, uh, we went to Grandma's house for a holiday meal. Mm -hmm. And word had gotten around mm. that little JoJo had to go to the ER and get a stomach pump. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so my aunt's knuckles would come up to me and... You know, we heard what you know what what happened last week. Right. And I'd go pump, 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 <laughs> pump. I was so enthralled with the whole idea. Yeah. Wow. Pretty pump. unique experience. Right. Yeah. That young too. Yeah. Right. So my yeah. first OD. Wow. At yeah. age three or four. Wow. So we ended up moving the Rising Sun, and I had several teeth pulled, and I was in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And back then, we didn't know, at least my family didn't know much about addiction because it hadn't right. really touched them as a family yet. Mm -hmm. And so 
the doctor prescribed me pain pills. Mm -hmm. And I went to the school next day, and I was allowed to take the whole bottle in case if I went into pain. Oh, man. Wow. And so I'm in science class passing out pain pills to my classmates. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Right. I'm like, here, take a couple of these. They make you feel really good. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. This is eighth grade, you said? Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Yeah, yeah. So that's when I started having the problem. Mm. Right. And I kept it under wraps. Mm. I was basically too young. Mm. And then tragedy hit in my family. It was in January in 1981 and my father was driving to work. And my mom left for work a little bit later than dad did. And she got a phone call from my dad's business partner. It's like, Marilyn, did Jim leave for work? Oh, no. And she said, yeah, he's not there. Like, no. Small town got word that this lady following him, and the road went right by the Ohio River. The Ohio River was swollen. It Mm -hmm. was basically flooded with ice in it. And she saw a black pickup truck go into the river. And a day after that is when I started active addiction, alcoholic, drug addict. I had a Red Cross set up their tents, warming tents. Mm -hmm. Our church was two blocks away, so my mom would stay at the church. It took them two weeks to get the truck out of the water with his body in it. Wow. And on the second night, as we were holding vigil at the site, my older cousin drove down and she handed me a bottle of Jack Daniels. Mm. And how old were you again? Fifteen and a half. Fifteen. And I found my new best friend. Yeah. Right. At fifteen yeah. and a half, my father was in the river, dead. Right. And I needed a new best friend ASAP. Yeah. In addiction, you seek instant gratification. Mm-hmm. And Jack Daniels gave me that instant gratification. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And in addiction, it just snowballs. Mm -hmm. It just gets worse through the years. It's a progressive and fatal disease. Mm -hmm. So I graduated high school. I went to college in the culinary arts. And I would be driving to my classes in college, not have a 12-pack of beer in my back seat. So I'd had four or five by the time I got to my class yeah and then drinking after class and driving yeah one of my favorite things was to drink and drive and smoke marijuana oh man that's a pretty heavy combo you have on right yeah. and this is when you were in school college in, in college yeah. yeah yeah so not very many problems later on i got a dui mm-hmm. um i just shrugged that off as a bad experience mm. was all. Didn't take it to heart. Yeah. Um, and then at age 30, I got married. I met my wife. Mm-hmm. And it was love at first sight. 
I was managing an upscale diner bistro okay. in downtown Cincinnati. And so I was working night shift, and we drank. That's mm-hmm. just how the restaurant business is. Mm-hmm. Right. For the most part. Right. You drink a lot. You do a lot of drugs. And I went with that for a couple more years. I was in a suit, and that's when I started wearing the suit and tie. Mm-hmm. And then I got a great gig at a hotel convention center. And then that brought on more alcohol. Right. I ended up being assistant food and beverage director. And everything kept snowballing. Now I'm drinking beef eater and tonics Mm. with my regular guests that came in from the country club. And then I managed a nightclub down in the basement. Oh, wow. So you're like surrounded. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the right environment. So right? Yeah. here comes the cocaine. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. And the pain pills, crush them up, snort them. I yeah. love to snort drugs. And what, wow. what, year, what, what year was this in? Like This was 1996-ish. Okay. It sounds very 80s, you know, it sounds very nightclub-like, yeah. you know, but it's that, it's that mentality. Yeah. Yeah. It was in the 90s. Yeah. And that just progressed. So, is it the feeling, like, is it, you know, people say the term self-medicate, like, mm. or is it just the feeling that it made you feel good? Mm. Like, you were chasing the tail of something, like it was to that um, better feeling. Yes, Correct, Shannon. And also, it's the thrill of seeking out those drugs. Mm. Gotcha. I would the leave, taboo of yes, I would sneaking le- around to do it. To I do would this leave and, the uh, house, and I was in the truck by myself, driving uh, back and forth to work, of course. Right. And driving in the work, I would get a rush just having the thought of there's alcohol and cocaine waiting for me when I get to work. Mm -hmm. So it kicks in before you take that first drink or drug daily. And the thrill of it. Did your wife at the time, because how long had you guys been married when when you were at this point in your life at the the country club? At that time, newly married. Okay. In 98, we had a daughter. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I always thought to myself, I'll slack off drinking, drugging when I meet someone Mm -hmm. and get married. I'll slack off or I'll stop when I have a child. Right. Milestones in my life, I was planning on stopping the drugs and alcohol, and I couldn't do it alone. Right. I could not do it by myself. I would get a day maybe two days if I was lucky, then I'd get the withdrawals, the shakes, the vomiting, the sweats. And so I would have, at that point, I had no choice in the matter. Right. Mm -hmm. It was to to maintain. You got to a place where you had to maintain your health. Yes. Was your wife aware of how bad that it was when you're talking about getting in your truck? No, not a bit. Not a bit. So you're Not super functioning. She has no idea. Life is peachy. Over the top functioning. Yeah. I would get, I had later on in the years, I had another gig where I was night shift GM. 
And I would get home at seven o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning especially, and I'd wash windows mm. on the outside at seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, so you seemed fine. Yeah. 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 I was getting things done. Right. 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 You were providing for your family. Everything mm. was good. You were showing up for things for your daughter. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was never the breadwinner of the family. My wife was the main breadwinner. Oh, okay. Winner. Yeah. What did your wife do for a living? She's still an RN. Gotcha. And she has probably about 37, 38 years now. Wow. She was always a floor nurse. Okay. She gave that up, and now she's in booking. Okay. Okay. Wow. So she's a nurse and this is going on and she just doesn't know. It just shows you just don't know. Yeah. You just really don't. We drank at home. Mm -hmm. Right. And I pretty well freely smoked my marijuana Mm -hmm. by myself at home. Mm -hmm. And she was aware of that, but she had no No idea. idea. She'll know now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. So she did. She when did she know that? When, when was there a I've realization? I've never told her the severity of it. Gotcha. It was enough to get my health downhill. Right. It was enough for that, and she saw that. Mm-hmm. And she was a great advocate for what I went through, mm-hmm. um, calling different institutions and hospitals and getting me seen, getting appointments, get the ball rolling. And so I have to give my Mm ex-wife all the credit for keeping us together for 21 years. I was physically present, but I was checked out Mm -hmm. in the head. Right. But you would never know it. I was miserable. Um, After my sickness kind of went away and I got better, she told me if I started drinking again, mm-hmm. I would be out. Mm-hmm. Right. And I thought in my head instantly, well, this won't take long. Mm-hmm. Right. Two days later, I catch another DUI. Man. Wow. Yeah. And I wrecked my vehicle. So, oh, right. and I rear-ended a lady at a stop sign okay. is what happened. And so as I'm laying in the psych ward at the hospital where she works. Oh boy. For a 72 hour hold. She came up and she looked at me straight in the face. My brother-in-law and my daughter came up also, but we got them out of the room. Paul's like, I need to talk to this man in private. And she asked me what happened. And she, I'll never forget, she said, I think we need to separate. Mm. Being a junkie or an alcoholic, a drug addict, whatever you want to call me, it's all the same. Mm. I'm all or nothing, zero or 100%. Mm. And I looked at her, I said, either I stay in the house or we're getting a divorce. Mm. Okay. So you're giving ultimatums while you're in a 72-hour hole. <laughs> right. Yeah, I really had that position to yeah. do that. <laughs> right. I was really Ouch. in that position. Right. Yeah. Wow. You know, sick in the head. Mm. Right. And Paula said, divorce it is. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. 
so I ended up in Bradenton down the road. Now, how did you end up from... Well, first, let's back up just a second, yeah. because you had an illness. Right. What was happening to your body, like, from all of the abuse that you were giving it? My... How, what was your feeling? What was going on with you? My body was starting to shut down. Gotcha. All of my organs. Wow. Because of the abuse of... Because of the abuse. All the way from eighth grade. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And how old were you at that time for your first really big health scare? My first really big health scare, I was 49. Okay. Okay. That was... That's how long it lasted. Yeah. And I'm in... I apologize. I'm all across the board. No, no. I go please. back and forth. Yeah. But there's so much I want to get in. Yeah. And getting cleaned up and then picking up again, mm -hmm. it was just disastrous. Yes. And so it was just, you know, the whole family with my addiction, my whole family got sick. Yeah. Right. Codependency mm. is a big one. Mm -hmm. And how how do I deal with this? Right. Right. Wow. So then you get, you get divorced. Mm -hmm. um, and then how is it that you end up in Florida? How did you end up in uh, Bradenton? A representative from... American Addiction came in and saw me. Okay. And he asked me if I was open to rehab. I had no money. Mm -hmm. um, thank God my wife took my credit cards, my debit cards, out of my wallet. And I had a little bit of money in there, and she left me $20. Mm. Wow. And I'm laying in a hospital. So I didn't think I had any choice, and I really didn't, but to go right. to rehab. Mm -hmm. I alienated a lot of my friends through my addiction. I couldn't couch surf. That was off the table. Mm -hmm. And so that was the best thing, I thought. It's like, yeah, go to rehab. You'll have three meals in a cot, basically. I was going to say, it's a place to go. You right. had nowhere else to turn. I had nowhere else And this to person turn. comes in about rehab, so it's not about getting better. It's about you need a place it's to go. It's about me, 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 me. Oh, shit, what did I do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, oh, God, get me out of this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I end up in Riverview okay. at a rehab facility stayed for 30 days and I asked to stay another 15 days mm -hmm. I was getting so much out of the therapy session oh good okay. yeah right and, and my, was this the first time you were receiving therapy for what had been going on your whole life no I okay. received therapy before that okay and did you feel um, then like it was helpful or were you kind of like rejecting it early on I didn't reject it early on I was living one huge lie, and I want to talk about that also. Mm -hmm. I was living a huge lie, and for the life of me, I could not stay clean and sober. Mm -hmm. So there's other the, factors, because too. Because of lie. Right. So I did the 45 days in okay. rehab, and 
there was a nice place is totally rehabbed. <laughs> Funny I say rehab, that. Rehab, rehab. Yeah, rehab. Yeah, that's what Joel's about. <laughs> rehab and recovery. Mm-hmm. And found a recovery house in Bradenton that I wanted to go to. Okay. Where I was at, they had a listing of places. And I didn't like ego. Ego. I'm all about ego mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. And I was my whole life without knowing it. And all the places they had, I'd go online. They looked run down, not kept. You know, some of them looked like a trap house, mm-hmm. even. And so I went on the search my own, and I found this place in Bradenton. And they had an in-ground pool. <laughs> wow, so you were shopping. For That's the best. why I went to Bradenton, <laughs> right. Florida. Wow. Because <laughs> Real Recovery is the name of where I went. Uh-huh. Great folks. I'm friends with the CEO. Nice. Um, friends with, you know, all, all the higher-ups. Mm. When I went to Bradenton, Real Recovery was a small operation. Mm -hmm. So the CEO of the company was pounding nails in the wall, installing big screen TVs, mowing grass. (laughs) That's what he had to do at the time. Wow. And I still keep in contact with the higher ups. Mm -hmm. They're still humble human beings. That's how they're drawn to their work. Yes. Right? Yes. They want to take care and understand and heal and mm. recover and all of the things. But with a pool, yeah. which is <laughs> how you end up With an in-ground pool, in-ground. mind you. It's so funny because up north, like we wouldn't think of anything but right. a, an in-ground pool. But yeah. up north, they don't always have in-ground. Right. So. Yeah. Right. Up north, it's... Do they have a basement? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah that's the big <laughs> thing. Something you have to come here, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. You're right, you're yeah. right, you're right. There's the perks in everywhere uh-huh. you go. There sure is. So yeah, you're in Bradenton. The little things. Schmoozing with everybody, mm. yeah. right? Yes. Healing? Great recovery. Yeah. Okay. Great recovery. I got through the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. And I still held that one huge secret from my sponsor Mm -hmm. that I had at the time. And so since I had this big secret, after about 13 months of sobriety, I started going down to the Mm 7-Eleven, buying me three Mike's Hard um, mango, the big cans, mango. Oh, it's delicious. It was delicious. (laughs) And I would, it's really crazy when they make it taste really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like you get a a scotch or something. You sure do. (laughs) But you know, you put some flavor in it. Can't even tell it's, yeah. Yeah. Pick your poison. Right. Yeah. There you go. So I'd get my Mike's hard lemonade mango and I'd walk a hundred feet and I would sit at the bus stop that was right down the street Mm -hmm. from real recovery and drink. And then I'd hop on the bus. I'd go Sarasota, Mm -hmm. get me a pint of hundred proof vodka, Mm -hmm. come back, go to bed. Right. Wow. And they randomly dropped, but being there for a long time, I'm telling on myself now. How Mm -hmm. long were you there in Bradenton? 14 months. Okay. Okay. And it just so happens that just on Saturday, I celebrated this time around 14 months. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. 
And but the recovery was great. Mm-hmm. The problem was Joel. Mm. Right. The problem was Joel. And this big secret was it a lifetime of struggling? Yes, since I was about nine years old, mm-hmm. um, I would look at the in the. I'm getting raw now, yeah. Shannon. Okay. I couldn't wait for the new Sears catalog or the J.C. Penney catalog to come out, so I could look at the men's underwear models. Mm, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Mm. Gotcha. So it started way back then. Being mm. in a small town, mm-hmm. being raised German Catholic, mm. society as a whole. It was best for me to keep that secret that I was gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Which only add to the the stress oh. and anxiety constantly, you know, on yeah. top right. of everything. Yes. Yeah. I buried that. Yeah. Right. I buried that. At what point? Because I think just because society's pressures. At what point did you realize you were burying it? Mm. Like when did you? Because you know you're nine, and that it. It could be innocent, mm-hmm. but at what point and what age do you are like, this is really what I'm attracted to, but I can't do it. Right. Like, I can't let anyone know. Right. How old were you? That's a very easy question. Mm-hmm. When I, I came out to my wife mm-hmm. when I was laid in the hospital seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But that's pretty well as far as it went. Mm-hmm. And I just brought it out. <laughs> Came out of the closet, yeah. opened up just 10 months ago. Wow. Yeah. <gasps> so all that time. Months 10 ago. months I was yeah. married for 21 years. Wow. For the last five, my wife said she had an uh, inkling. Suspicion. Mm. Suspicion yeah. that I may be gay. Yeah. And that, not she didn't say that until you had told her, or she did, she, did you guys talk about no, it? No. She... Point black, really? blank, uh-huh. asked me in the hospital, yeah. are you gay, Joel? Mm. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I have nothing to lose. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. I lost my career mm-hmm. the night before. I lost my job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I lost my standing in the community. Right. I lost my wife. All in one night. Wow. It took one night to wow. lose everything. Right. And so it was nothing for me to tell her at that point. Mm-hmm. It just came out. Yeah. But it wasn't until 10 months ago when I was doing my fifth step with my sponsor in AA. And I had three previous sponsors. Mm-hmm. And I never touched that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went to therapy for two years, pretty intense therapy. No clue. Mm. She had no clue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I never, I just kept on stuffing that, stuffing right. that. Right, right. I would leave therapy. I was supposedly sober mm. and I'd stop off and get a couple Mike's Hard Lemonade mm. Mango. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm advertising now. That's <laughs> right? Sponsorship. Sick. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I am one sick individual. That was a long track record of, you know, you know really being stuck with it. Yeah. I am sick, but getting better. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I would park at the park mm. by the river and watch the river and the boats and drink, then go home like nothing happened. Yeah. That was wow. like your, 
that was kind of your way of finding peace, it sounds like, you know, kind of the only way that you could um, kind of suppress everything, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So being clean and sober for 14 months, this time around, it's been easy. Mm. It's your truth. So what... Backing up to 14 months ago when you finally decided to be who you are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and respect that for mm-hmm. yourself because yes. that's who you are. Yes. Mm-hmm. What was the catalyst for that? Was it that sponsor that made you feel more comfortable? Was it just tired of living a lie? Like what made you finally be you? Mm-hmm. I decided when I was doing my third step mm-hmm. that first three steps to shorten it to dumb it down the first step is I can't Mm. alone Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. second step is I think God can or your higher power whatever Mm -hmm. you call your higher power mine is God I think he can and step three is I'm giving it to him. I surrender. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Here is me. Mm-hmm. Here is me. Mm-hmm. So the fourth step is writing everything down, taking personal inventory. Mm-hmm. And so it was at that moment on my third step where I have to let loose of this right. secret. Yeah. Right. No matter what the outcome, Joel will be okay. Yeah. And Joel can start living his authentic life mm-hmm. unapologetically. Mm. And with support, it sounds like, you know, yeah. that's kind of... The, I have a lot of support yeah, yeah. with that. That's I have great. a lot of support. Were you really able do. to connect with your family and talk to your ex-wife and your daughter? Have you been able to be your authentic self and accepted there? Only on the phone. Okay. Since they live in Cincinnati, Mm -hmm. both of them do. But the exciting news is that the two of them and my daughter's one of her friends, they're driving down to Clearwater the first week in June. Okay. They're going to come visit. Yeah. They got a condo in Clearwater, close to the beach. Nice. And so I booked a hotel, Mm -hmm. not on top of them. I could (laughs) have, but three miles away. Yeah. And I texted my wife there and I I said, because I can smother people Mm. real easy. (laughs) I I can smother people. Mm. But... That's what the steps are for, right. to correct that. Right. And I text my ex-wife, I said, Paula, sometimes I smother people, so I will be at the hotel at your beckoning call. Mm. You're in my daughter's beckoning call. Yeah. You tell me. You tell me when you want me around, yeah. and I will show up as Joel, mm-hmm the gay man, mm-hmm. the right. gay dad, the gay ex-husband. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm me. Yeah. I will be me. Mm-hmm. And that leads into just be. Mm-hmm. Just be present. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Free yourself of the outside issues that you may have going on the time. Mm -hmm. Free yourself and just be. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so when this decision to stay further away, is that out of, what, out of character for you? From before, would you, because you said you smother. Mm. Yeah. So that would be out of character for you to make that decision mm. to be arm's length away. Offer, you call me. Mm. That's, so that's, that's, a, that's part of your that's new to health me. and mm. healing that's as well. New, that's very new to me. Yeah. Because in my using days, hey, everybody, look at me. Look at Joel. Look what I've done. Right. Because you needed a feed. I needed, right? you know, mm. to mm -hmm. be the big shot amongst right. others. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I needed to be, I yearned to be needed. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I always basically showed up physically. Mm. Yeah. Right. With my ego. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But an ego that was protecting. Mm part of you you weren't willing to share or, or very much that's really very what much. the basis of right. wow yeah. so no. much pain very, in your life much. is yeah. Joel has experienced addiction for a very long time um, it's it's hurt his health it's changed his life um, you know he is telling us now the story of how it's just changed and destroyed everything and he takes responsibility for it um, what advice do you have for someone who there's just a long path of addiction that just keeps really destroying everything? The first thing is um, self-compassion. For anyone dealing with addiction, when they pause and really see the magnitude of hurt that mm -hmm. they've caused and, and pain and destruction in their wake of addiction, they want to beat themselves up yeah. and, and, and they're hurt. But I encourage them to be compassionate and to recognize that it wasn't you that did this. It was the addiction. It was the disorder. It was the condition that did this. It was the why. It was, but here's the thing. If someone has uh, a seizure while driving and they crash into a building, are they being blamed or is the condition being blamed? It's the same thing with addiction. What a person does while they are addicted to substances, that's not them. That's not the real them. And so compassion that doesn't include yourself is incomplete. When you look back and you're like, yeah, I stole, I, I did this, whatever. Remember, that wasn't you. The you that now sees what you did, that's the real you. And so start with compassion and 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 you know from 12 steps make amends where you can mm -hmm. and if you can't it's okay but now just purpose that i'll never be that person again moving forward addiction will never be the the ceo of mm -hmm. my life again and you know we didn't even know this yeah and uh we have our expert who's chiming in mm -hmm. um and it's so interesting that she reflected on that as well, mm -hmm. to forgive yourself, mm -hmm. right? You, you must. Yeah. If you're searching recovery, mm -hmm. you have to learn how to love yourself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and love and embrace your flaws. Right. 
or what makes you special that mm-hmm. you just have fear because it's not maybe what was traditionally right. in your small town. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't traditional mm-hmm. to be a gay man. You right. know, and now we know. Thank God, we live in a time mm-hmm. where we accept everyone for exactly who they are. Yes. Or we, we, do tr- we, we encourage people we do. too. Well, and, and, I, and I think like Natasha says, it starts with yourself. You know, it starts with like yeah. you accepting yourself, which I think even subconsciously we can reject so many things about ourselves and punish ourselves for mm-hmm. things and think that we don't deserve things. And then when you're able to uh, recognize and love those things about yourself or at the very least accept them, then you can find some comfort and be able to be around other people without having like a toxic connection and be mm-hmm. able to kind of give them some grace and get some grace, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what it sounds like happened for you. Absolutely. I I have to know my place. Mm. At Trinity Cafe, mm-hmm. when I come in, if I'm playing captain for mm-hmm. the day, captain du jour, mm-hmm. or if I'm coming in as a volunteer to serve or bus or do dishes, mm-hmm to help out in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Most of the other captains save me for last when I'm here, Mm. and I just fill in the the spot that they need. Right. And I take ownership when I'm here Mm -hmm. on duty. Mm -hmm. I I take great pride in feeding Tampa Bay's mission. I've learned so much from feeding Tampa Bay's mission. Mm -hmm coming trickling down to the Trinity Cafes. Mm-hmm. So I have when I'm at Trinity Cafe, I have to know my place mm-hmm. and not overstep those boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I do not I won't say it now because mm-hmm. I'm on camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but with I never announce in the heat of things my basically 50 years of restaurant experience. Right. And I'm only 57. Man, right. Wow. And I have 50 years. That's so how are we yeah. doing with all that experience? <laughs> you're here and you're loyal, so we must be doing awesome. Yeah, seriously, yeah. That's like a big, you know, right. check. I, you know, it's staying in my lane. Uh, right. Yeah. And me and Chef Daniel, we talk a lot. Yeah. And it's just amazing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what you know everything we do yeah it is and, it, and we're so glad you're here we want to also touch on so you volunteer and give your time here mm-hmm. um, there's a few other organizations that you give your time as well yes. what is the catalyst for that I think that's really important because um, you've told me the story of struggle for you mm-hmm. well I mean 15 months ago, mm-hmm. I was homeless, staying at the Salvation Army in Bradenton. And so I migrate to Tampa. I knew what I had to do, mm-hmm. but I had to put that in action to get any results. Mm-hmm. So I came to Tampa. First night, I found my sponsor. I still have the same sponsor for 14 months, and I hope that relationship lasts for years and years. That's wonderful. I just got to see him yesterday. That's awesome. And we talked. And, you know, for me to be in this kind of space Mm -hmm. and the opportunities, um, 
I also have been, late last year, I was selected to be on the Rider Advisory Committee for Heartline Bus. Wow. Okay. So when I'm on the public transportation, that's what I take every day. Uh-huh. I'm basically a bus monitor. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, and you're also giving valuable feedback, right? Yes. On what what the good, great things are, of course, always the yeah. positive. Oh, and yeah. And then, of course, some things that might need some oh, yeah. updating. And the positives, that's, that's wonderful. the positives do outweigh the negatives yes. with yes. Heartline from what I've seen. And I'm also very passionate about my spiritual place where I go on Sundays. Mm -hmm. It's called the Portico. Mm -hmm. And Pastor Justin, my health took a nosedive Mm -hmm. the 27th of December of 2022, just this last December. Mm -hmm. And then to now, I have spent 81 nights in the hospital. Wow. And this is all just the abuse your body's taken. I've abused my body tremendously. Mm. And my pastor, he made a, a point to come up and seeing old Joel. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's a very busy man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I've been going to the portico for, we call it the gathering. Mm -hmm. It's Mm non-denominational. We focus on attracting the homeless, Mm -hmm. the underprivileged, the food insecure Mm -hmm. people in that community downtown. And we serve breakfast on Sunday mornings from 8.30 to 9.30. I'm a part of that. So. Yesterday, Sunday, I was down there, and I got to run hot plates Mm -hmm. to the diners because they can't come in also and sit down, and we have enough volunteers down there at the portico Mm -hmm. to serve Mm -hmm. our fellow human beings. And later on in June, just yesterday, I signed up to be meal leader. Mm -hmm. So I have all these great things happening, Mm -hmm. and I have found my reason, my thing. Volunteer molds has molded me. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't for especially Trinity Cafe and the Portico, they, too, have had a huge part in my recovery. Mm. Huge part. If I'm not feeling so well, I get up, I make my bed. Mm. Me That's too, friend. My, I was taught that, too. <laughs> That's my... Yeah. I, I wasn't taught that. Yeah. Oh, I was taught that. Yeah. So if it's not made, I'm like, mm. <laughs> Let me run back upstairs real quick. Right. Yeah. I, I was not... <laughs> taught that yeah oh okay even though my mom she's 90 now and she still gets up makes her bed Mm -hmm. wow and it's very important to her to get dressed Mm -hmm. and put her shoes on Mm -hmm. and be ready for anything that they always be ready yeah yeah she still lives in rising sun yeah wow 
90 year old right she has a golf cart yeah i love it that's her transportation <laughs> and so about once or twice a week she piles in her girlfriends into the golf cart and they go down to patty's wagon and have ice cream <laughs> that's on the river that's bank. like the life that's right awesome. there at 90 yeah. i don't she, know she has the Dressed, life ready to absolutely go. and i have to mention my mother mm -hmm. marilyn she has been my support through thick and thin Obviously, she knows everything about me. Yeah. Yeah. She's been through everything with me. Mm -hmm. And no matter what, it's that unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I call her about every other day, every three days. If I don't call her for a week and I call her, mm -hmm. well, I've been wondering, Joel, <laughs> what you've been doing. Right. In that motherly voice. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's and I'm deep still deep. afraid of that motherly Absolutely. voice. As you should yeah. be. I'm a 50, soon be 58-year-old man, and I'm still scared of my mom. You're still right? her child, you know, yeah. That's I'm one of those still things. scared to death of the woman. Because <laughs> she loves you so much. She does love mm -hmm. me so much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just last night I was talking about the podcast today. Mm -hmm. And everything will be okay yeah. be yeah. you Just and be i you. can't wait to see it that's great yeah. and i love you <laughs> those Everybody are the things that. i told you too yeah absolutely <laughs> yes. anybody can mother anybody right yeah <laughs> I, you know so, yeah. so joel how's your health now how are we doing my health is great good yeah. i'm happy to report good. yeah good. you struggled i've been Three weeks now, hospital free. Good. That's amazing. Emergency and you look room great. Free. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, your coloring, your eyes, you mm -hmm. look um, healthy. Mm -hmm. You look good. You look happy. I, I feel so good. Mm -hmm. And it's my team of doctors mm -hmm. that have gotten me to this point. Yeah. And the people in AA. Trinity Cafe, Portico. Mm. Your circle. You know, it's yeah. my people. Yep. These, we are your people. These yeah. are my people. Right. Yes. And all good influences, you know. Right. Like, um, yeah. Well, so, I think in telling your story is so important because I think that's a different type of influence, mm -hmm. educating yeah. folks on how difficult those journeys are, yeah. um, how hard you have to fight mm -hmm. uh, to get where you are today because it's been a really long journey for you it really um, has and painful been. for you painful for those that you love mm -hmm. and it's kind of that you know that whole dignity and respect uh, mantra we live in that has since i've been um at trinity cafe specifically for six years now it's life-changing yeah it, it is to open your mind to the story of someone else right you know right. what their experience why did you do that so then for me i respond like, why did they, instead of being angry, mm -hmm, and mind right. you, nobody's perfect, but I've learned from being in this environment, like, okay, what's going on? Right. Why are they, why, why is that happening? Rather than just jumping yeah. to the negative or the responsive. And I just, when you and I spoke for the very first time, I was like, folks really need to know Joel's story. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It's a unique one, but I feel that there's individuals who have experienced similar things like living with a lie, no matter what that lie is, and it just destroying uh, you until 
you release it kind of like a butterfly. I kind yeah. of think of you as a butterfly. Yes. <laughs> to be yes. honest, you're like, whoosh. Yeah. Yes. Like yeah. that. So you are loved mm. and appreciated. And we're so happy you're healthy and wonderful. We have a few just general questions sure. that we close out. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing is, you know, everything amazing happens, uh, happens around a table. This podcast, mm-hmm. meals with friends, yes. meals with family. Yes. So if you were sitting at a table for four, you're one, that one person. Who would you invite to the table with you? Hmm. The three people that I would love to have a dinner table conversation with, Mm -hmm. it would be my father, Mm -hmm. my grandmother Mm -hmm. on my maternal side, on my mom's side, Mm And Anthony Bourdain. Ooh. Ooh. Is <laughs> he <ball>. cooking? <laughs> he's dead. Well, yes. But, but he's <laughs> at the table. So Anthony Bourdain's at the table. What's he cooking? He's alive. He's there. In yes. your moment, in your dream table. Yes. What's he making? He's making my all-time favorite a big Thanksgiving meal with all the fixings. Nice. Just like Grandma made. <laughs> right, He's duplicating that. Yes, they're going to cook together. They're going to cook together. And my grandmother may be there with not the wooden, but the metal spoon tapping <laughs> on the hand. Keep him in line. on that. That's not, more of this. That's right, not yeah. how I do it. Oh, <laughs> right. I love that's, it. I yeah, love I it. had the most loving grandmother mm. Both of them, but especially my mom's mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, 19 grandkids. Woo! And she loved all of us the same. Mm-hmm. Now, in private, I would go up there in the summertime for like a week and vacation with grandma and mm-hmm. cook with her. <laughs> but in private, she would say, you know you're my favorite. <laughs> and now today, I just wonder how many of us she said that mm. to in private. But how did it make you, you feel know, at that moment? I was special. Exactly. And that's yeah. how you got into cooking. That's how you got yes. into culinary as your grandmother. Yeah. It's so often family. Yeah, I hear that all the time. You know, we yeah. find, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or a I, chef watching Julia Childs right. with his grandmother. Like, there's so many folks that are just influenced. Shannon, I yeah. got into cooking when my mom, she was a stay-at-home mom early in the late six, mid-60s mm-hmm. to early 70s. And on Fridays, she would go to my paternal grandparents' restaurant that they owned in Indiana, Mm -hmm. and she would do payroll and the books for the week, and she would put me, little old me, in a high chair in the kitchen watching my grandfather cook. (laughs) Oh, wow. You were born into it. Yeah, absolutely. I was born, literally born into this business. (laughs) Now, that, what I just told you and everyone out there, Mm -hmm. that might not be perfectly correct, (laughs) but that's how I remember it. Yeah. Right. And that's what shaped you, that memory. So, yeah. Yeah, That's what I remember. Right. And they're great memories. So, I wouldn't want to change that. Absolutely. Right. Well. Not a bit. We thank you for your time today. We thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for sharing your story. Um, you are family. You're a friend. Um, on to the next, as we continue to add magnificent months for you moving forward of just health and sobriety and knowing that you're surrounded. And I have one closing thought 
were a statement, and I won't get the words exactly verbatim, but I live my recovery and experience out loud to help those suffering on the inside. Yep. Exactly. And that's what I'm all about. And that's why we have you here today. Thank you so much, Joel, for being an amazing example for folks. Thank you. You can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok at Feeding Tampa Bay.